0: Grammy changes, unemployment's broken, and Spotify podcast deals on the rise. That's showbiz, baby. Welcome to episode four of That's Showbiz, Baby podcast, your all things music, business, and media podcast. I'm your host, Joe, with my co-host, Colin hey colin? what's up buddy how you doing
1: good i mean nothing so far has gone wrong yet even though our internet hates ourselves yeah uh <laughs> so joe where can we find us on the
0: internet you uh know? you can find <laughs> us literally everywhere colin oh yeah really? yeah twitter facebook instagram twitter at showbiz baby pod Facebook and Instagram at that show biz baby podcast, And you can email us at that showbizbabypodcast at gmail.com. Be sure to send us an email, see if you guys like the show, uh, anything we you want us to change, anything like that. We're always taking requests of new stories and that kind of thing. Also, uh, you know, if you guys have music that you want us to check out as well, be sure to send that in because we're always looking for new people. Um, but, yeah, this week has been um, weird. For me Yeah. because it's it's weird in a good way I guess but I I feel like I I'm actually semi back to where we were before COVID in terms of scheduling and stuff like that
1: with people yeah people are definitely getting more comfortable so yeah we might see some resurgence of the virus slash resurgence of work for a brief period maybe
0: yeah I that that's something I'm not looking forward to but it probably will happen um but it's just weird going back again because it's like whoa i haven't been at this point for like four months so definitely
1: um so you were looking at billboard top 200 as usual
0: yep um and nothing really changes that much i mean uh, lady Gaga's number two now but uh here's the billboard top 200 top 10 number one my turn little baby two chromatica lady gaga three wanna by Gunna. love that four high off life future Five. Dark Lane demo tapes. Drake. Six. Blame it on baby. Da baby. Seven. The Goat. Polo G. Polo G. I always fuck that up. It's one of those. we got to pick up. Eight. Hollywood's is. bleeding. Post Malone. I feel like that one's been on the top 200 for a while now.
1: Yeah, it's been. Escalating it's been up there. Forth. I
0: don't think it's been top ten for a minute, has it? Or was it last? I don't week? think it's been top ten for a minute. Yeah, um, I can't remember. It's definitely coming back. Number nine, Eternal Attack, Little Uzi Vert. Ten, After our, After Hours, The Weekend.
1: All right, yeah, not that crazy. Some people coming up, some people staying where they were mostly, but not that bad. Uh, I was actually reading about Little Baby before this podcast. That was very interesting. He apparently he. I, he is, I think currently with this album, he is tied for having songs in the top 100 with Prince and Paul McCartney. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm not joking. Wow, that's <laughs> fucking crazy. Yeah, isn't that insane? They, I mean, new records, I don't know, it's kind of like exponential where they get smashed now yeah. compared to old days, but still, it's very impressive, especially for that someone that young.
0: Yeah, well, it's crazy now, too, because I mean, since COVID, you can't bundle any anymore. With like live shows and the album sales and all that stuff. so
1: Right, and definitely less people looking to buy stuff right now. So yeah, you're definitely seeing some...
0: Unless it's restaurants, apparently. <laughs> Unless it's restaurants. <laughs> Especially here in Nashville. People, wear your masks. For real. Wear your
1: masks, the motto of this podcast. Anyway, uh, speaking of weird changes that are coming about, I was looking into the Grammy Awards. And they've recently renamed the controversial urban category. Thanks CNN for informing us. But I just wanted to tell you all that they renamed it. Uh, This is kind of spurred up because Tyler, the creator, was saying some stuff about like what and most of the world, I would assume it's like, what the hell is this category? It doesn't like he says, I don't like that urban word. It's just politically correct way to say the N word to me. And I was like, you know. He's not wrong. It's very much like if you are an African American, it's like, "Cool, you're urban music." And I was like, "Uh, I don't know about Yeah, that. it doesn't
0: I I don't know. It's weird like cuz it's What is that mean? What does that mean? I you know? I don't like what genre is that? Like do, do you, Like
1: genres do, are bullshit already. No one's like,
0: like, "Hey, I'm going to listen to this urban record." You know, I, uh, I no feel like a lot that. of
1: people who are trying to be like correct will try to say that. I think that's well,
0: what he used to be. Right.
1: And I'm like, like well, they're trying to not say like, I want to listen to like music that's primarily from African-American people. But like, I feel like that's, I've heard people go, you know, if you look in the urban markets, it's a very, I would describe it as an antiquated term. It's kind of, it's pretty offensive in my opinion now. So they've changed it. Uh, they've changed the... They have the best rap slash sung performance category is now being changed to the best melodic rap performance, which is another thing happening. Sorry. Uh, These changes are, there's a bunch of changes in here, so we can go over it. The Mm -hmm. main change, which I was also alluding to, is that the best urban contemporary album prize will be renamed best progressive R&B album ahead of next year's ceremony, um, according to CNN. Uh, like I just said, best rap sung performance category is now being changed to best melodic rap performance, uh, which is is fine. I I, I mean that's I guess it works, better. Yeah, I, guess. I mean I think it I think it sounds better than best rap slash sung performance. Um, so I went looking on the Grammys website specifically for some changes, <laughs> and so a lot of people I saw kind of applauding the Grammys, where it's like, yay Grammys. We, yeah, but, okay, we aren't let's doing not, urban, but like, okay, on, no, 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 on, no I got on. it. I got it. Don't worry. <laughs> so like Grammy's already has like a, you know, hell of a lot of problems. But then I started looking into the other supposed not eight well seven changes. And so they changed Latin be- Latin pop album, uh, has been renamed to best Latin pop or urban album. And I'm like, why are we still using this? <laughs> and then it goes, uh, Latin rock, urban or alternative album has been renamed best Latin rock or alternative album, which I'm like, okay, (laughs) that's, that's fine. And, uh, I just was like astonished that they were like, you know what? We did it. Public appearance wise, we got rid of the urban category. A lot of people are not for it, including myself. Um, but let's keep it though. You know, like I'm just like, why is that still being used? Like they should have just banned that from being even a thing. Uh, Joe will also like this last this next one, which is uh, there is no longer a specific maximum number of releases prohibiting artists from entering the Best New Artist category. Uh, and then the screening committees will be charged with determining whether the artist has attained a breakthrough or prominence prior to the engagement year, which I think is very important to say because there's been, as me and Joe have talked about through the years, a lot of best That's the Megan
0: Trainer thing. Yes, the Megan Trainer. She wasn't a new artist. <laughs> I'm just going to she wasn't a new artist. She had like a n- number one for like, what, two years or right. something before. I get it. Like
1: the way artists move now, especially with technology, are way faster than it used to be. So I pretty much bought yeah, this guess one.
0: It, it's just leftover from right. way back. It's
1: very antiquated. Um, there's another thing that I saw on here, which was very interesting. And this is kind of the last major change is uh, the nominations review committee uh, has these uh, conflict of interest disclosure forms now. Um, each what? person invited to be a member of a committee must disclose, must disclose to the best of their knowledge uh, basically whether they have a conflict of interest. And the three just to like... they It's the Grammys, so when you read the re- website, it's kind of like reading like an AP lit, you know, like <laughs> article. It, they all use fancy words, but I'll just say that they said three things. They said, you... Can't be on a committee if you would potentially receive the Grammy in some way. Uh, you have financial ties to it, or you have like a family tie to the award, which makes sense to me. So n- n- no one. No one in the Grammys can. No, if you're on the committee that decides it, I should say that oh. right up. So like, if you were on like I okay. don't know, best new artist, like we we're talking about, and you were on the committee to decide that, and like, let's say let let's just make something up. Like, you were on the committee for some new artist that just emerged weeks down the line from this podcast recording. Let's say you were like their manager or something. Like, you couldn't be on that committee because you would technically receive some financial benefit from that. And you would also receive the Grammy as being kind of the manager, you know, so you would get kind of some props to you. So that could be kind of misconstrued in some ways is like, if basically you should not have a connection with the people that you pick, pick. Um Okay. But here's the I thing. Mean, I'm gonna,
0: I was about to say, like, I understand the whole controversy before where was basically just like royalty of like the Grammy royalty, like, whoever you're in bed with, basically you get the Grammy or whatever. Right. But But, it
1: is an important thing. I will say other people on the committee can nominate things that maybe someone else on the committee has an interest in. So like, I mean, obviously we want entertainment professionals on these committees And like, if you're just like the, would say the best entertainment professional ever, you have like a kick-ass year and we really want you on the committee because you'd be a very good representation of what's going on today. Somebody else can also nominate like your works on that committee field, if that makes sense. But like you can't vote in it is kind of what's going on with that. Uh, And apparently it says failure to voluntarily disclose any conflict of interest will result in the person being barred from the future nominations review committee participation. So some strict rules. Let's see if they'll actually get followed. Yeah. (laughs) You know, we'll
0: see. Right. uh, Like the Grammys have always been very secretive with their, I just
1: always thought like the, that whole thing I just read to you where basically it's like, you can't have a family, you can't have a financial tie. You can't like actually be receiving it in some way. I thought that was like one Oh one for award shows. <laughs> you yeah, know what like, I mean? Like you can't go up there and be like, Oh, I'm presenting the Grammy for best new artists. Oh, look, I won, you know, <laughs> like, that's yeah, ridiculous. I don't know. I,
0: I feel like a really good thing is to have a, a good number of artists that are on it, but you know, obviously their record can't, you know, be affiliated, but I think artists do a good job with like, seeing what's a good record like melodically like production wise that kind of thing Mm. but some of these industry professionals have a hard time i feel like seeing that or even uh seeing what fans want and that kind of thing yeah but that's that's the debate of the lifetime are is the grammys are the grammys for uh pedestrians or are they for industry people yeah
1: i could definitely see that i mean. I, I think it's a very – if you talk to anyone on the street, I feel like what's, like, the top thing you could get is, like, a music person. They would probably say Grammy. Grammy. So, like, it, it has a lot of weight in society. But there definitely are arguments to say, just like a lot of award shows, that, you know, they're very slanted. And sometimes the only people that care if you won, like, you know, a Grammy or other people in your industry – especially if it's like a very lower tier grammy sometimes but at the same time if you don't say anything about it and you're like i have a grammy people go oh wow you know mm-hmm. i mean i want a grammy but like at the same time it's got a lot of problems i mean i
0: will refuse a grammy <laughs> right <laughs> um if anybody wants us to have a grammy and wants to give it to us please do yeah sure we'll take it <laughs>
1: Um, let's look at some other stories we got going throughout the week. It's been a lot of small stories. So let's go look at some of the ones that, uh, Joe has. They're very like small in size, but they're very interesting. Like, um, so let's talk about some here in Nashville things. (laughs) Oh Uh, boy. Joe and I have seen recently, but Joe researched it about Kid Rock's Nashville bar here. Apparently loses their beer permit over COVID-19. Violations. Joe, what did we learn about this?
0: Uh well basically is anybody surprised Kid Rock doesn't give a fuck about people's safety or health? No. (laughs) So of course his bar was one of the bars in uh downtown on Broadway that got fined. Um I'm pretty sure heavily fined because it's like fifty dollars per like incident or whatever. And I think incident means whoever each person over capacity I'm pretty sure they have to pay $50 for those people. So, I mean, it adds up. Um, but yeah, so basically, um, I think this was on a, I don't know when the photo was taken that went viral. Yeah. Of like the whole like bar is just slammed with people. Right. For anyone
1: listening, it is literally the most people you could fit onto a dance floor in the middle of the COVID 19. Oh, crisis.
0: it was over capacity. Yeah, I would say. Like, that there's too. no way it was at capacity, like from a normal, non COVID thing. Like, it's they could have gotten capacity. trouble from
1: the fire marshal, no less the COVID
0: yeah. <laughs> violations. And no one was wearing a mask except the guy who took the photo <laughs> 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 that I noticed. And uh, so that spread around, you know, of course. Um, and then it got, I think the photo probably is what did it uh, to get like the attention of the local government and stuff to step in. Um, according to inspector Melvin Brown, who was interviewed by the Tennesseean, they were in violation of two points of the order. No interaction with the public is allowed and alcohol can only be served at tables and booths. Um, so both of those were, you know, not followed. Uh, if you guys don't know right now in Nashville, we're in phase two of a reopening. They say that phase three is supposed to be happening next week. We'll see if that does happen. Um, But in any case, Kid Rocks wasn't the only one to get fined. Moxie Nashville Downtown Hotel got fined, Nudie's Honky Tonk, and Beer Hall Broadway Brew House did as well. Nudie's is super famous, just as famous as Kid Rocks, if you like more.
1: Uh, 100% more, I think. Yeah.
0: I mean, it's like the prime, the pinnacle Nashville bar or whatever, Um, or Honky Tonk bar. That's where everybody goes. But it's just, you know... Liquor can still be sold, apparently.
1: Yeah, I was. I think I was reading somewhere else, and they be-
0: only they only get it suspended for five days, which is nothing. So I was reading that,
1: and I read somewhere else, kind of like in Reddit threads, and somebody was making an argument for it. But basically, they were saying that I've seen some things that apparently these uh, violations are very exponential. So if they do it again, it gets worse and worse and worse, which yeah. is like what it's supposed to be. Um, And then the liquor situation supposedly is because the state of Tennessee is the one that controls your liquor license. And so the city can control what the heck you do with beer. And I've heard rumors that the mayor of this town has tried to talk to the like Tennessee state governor about doing it. And he's like, I'm not going to touch that. Billy's our governor. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think it's a very local story, but I think it's a very national, you know, wise story about like. We may be seeing a lot of these venues who are just, you know, trying to make their money back for a lot of this summer that they've lost. Yeah. Who are So they're going, not gonna
0: pay attention to the Right.
1: They're boys. going too hard. You know what I mean? I I get it. Obviously if you like worked on the staff there and you've been, you know, making nothing. Mm-hmm. if you've been working during this time, you've been making nothing. And then all of a sudden you're like, yeah, let's have a bunch of people in here and I'll just like get a bunch of tips because all these people haven't been able to go out. So they're going to spend like mad, you know? Yeah. Uh, well,
0: but- I mean the owners of Kid Rocks have been like, they've put out statements and it's been known that they don't believe in COVID basically and all this stuff. So it's not like from a business perspective, they'd, I, I think that's part of it for sure. But I also think it's just stupidity.
1: Yeah, I mean, I agree, but like the the thing that's gonna drive that stupidity is them being like, we're losing so much money because of this. <laughs> so Boo. like
0: that I know. I'm sorry. Like, Dude, Nashville bars make so much money every weekend. Oh, I
1: completely agree with you. I'm just saying, like, if I'm playing devil's advocate here, this is what they're doing. And that's why, like, it's, you know, they they probably are perpetuating a culture, and this is why I think It's going to be very interesting to see as the United States moves up and like what, you know, states and counties and different things actually try to really stranglehold these businesses and really making sure you're like, hey, you better be following this or we're going to come after you. It's going to be interesting to see like what the level of that is because it's not going to be like, you know, every state and county has their own rules. So it might be like way worse somewhere else. Mm -hmm. I mean, I feel like, I would describe this as a slap on the wrist and from my opinion, but like, let's say if, I feel like if this happened in California or somewhere else like that, they would have just, Oh no, you're, you were taking you down.
0: Yeah. It <laughs> you know been a I month. Mean? Right. wouldn't be able um, to sell for a month or something.
1: So it's been very interesting about that. Uh, speaking of a lot of this money being lost, I was looking into unemployment, uh currently for well,
0: here let's uh sorry to interrupt um let's let's do the other nashville story just Okay so that's fine with yeah that. we'll we'll keep it connected
1: yeah uh so we got another nashville story which is very interesting in my opinion uh and joe looked into this one too mm-hmm. it's about our good old girl and country saint dolly parton and yep. they're going to uh, try to replace a kkk leader statue with her
0: yeah so the um i think it was the st- It might have been the city council or maybe whatever is above the city council voted that a bust of um, the KKK, like, Grand Wizard, uh, Nathan Bedford Forrest. He he has a bust in the Capitol and people are pissed off about that, you know, reasonably so. So um, but there's been a petition that recently went viral um, about getting Dolly Parton's bust uh, to replace it. Because I mean, she's done so much good for um, Tennessee and honestly nationally as well. Um, the The petition uh, has about uh, eighteen thousand signatures at the moment. Um, while also making uh, making note of her accompli- accomplishments, which uh, the million dollar donations to the Red Cross and the COVID research, as well as the Imagination Library, um, which is like g- helped kids who are like. Basically, help poor kids read. Right. And it like increases their literacy scores and stuff like that for schooling and everything. Yeah. And that, it's done a great job. Yeah. I've heard,
1: I've heard apparently, according to what this organization's done under her, she's literally increased the literacy rate in like northeastern Tennessee by like tenfold. Literally. Yeah. So
0: she's basically our mom, you know? Like, <laughs> like uh, but she doesn't have no controversy because, I mean, it, I grew up in, uh, I grew up in Nashville, but I also grew up in East Tennessee in the Knoxville area. And if you uh, have ever been in Knoxville, you know Pigeon Forge. And if you ever know Pigeon Forge, you know Dollywood and all that stuff she has out there. Uh, and one of the things she had was the, um, oh, man, what's it called? You know what I'm talking about?
1: I, I don't. It's the, the Civil
0: War thing. with A Civil War reenactment? Yeah, it's like the Civil War reenactment. Hold on, I got to look this up. I can't believe I'm. Okay. Yeah, on this So
1: I know that she has a lot of Like problems obviously but like At the same time it (laughs) seems like At least we're going for a better person (laughs) Than currently is the Bust of
0: Dixie Stampede that's what It's called Dixie
1: Stampede I think I've heard this Before okay
0: so the Dixie Stampede Is basically like LARPing for really southern People uh, and it's Basically the north and the south and it's like A horse show that's in like the stadium Thing um, but here's the thing. <laughs> I remember this as a kid and I remember, uh, going with my, my sister and my mom and stuff and we saw it and it's fine. You know, you sit in the thing and like they put on the whole deal and it is kind of cool with like the horses and everything. And as a kid, you're like, oh, this is sweet. This is cool. You know, I get some horses, I get some free food. It's all good. Well, when we leave, I didn't know this, uh, as a kid, cause I didn't really pay attention really to what was happening. You know, all I cared about was. Oh, these horses look badass and these guys are carrying rifles. So that's cool. And then my sister was like, yeah, so uh, the South won in the thing. But in real life, (laughs) that's not what happened. Did not happen that way. (laughs) So what is this run by Dolly Varden? It's owned by her. I think it's it's partially owned 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 by her. her. And then she has some sign off of it. Um, So a lot of people have been bringing that up again because uh, I think they eventually got rid of that, though. Like got rid of the, like the South winning and all that crap. I don't, yeah, I don't think the Dixie Stampede is as like they're doing the same thing anymore. But they were doing it for a long time. Okay,
1: I could see that. So, um, you know, she's got her problems, but she wasn't like a Grand Wizard in the KKK. Yes. So,
0: you know, <laughs> but a lot of people also have been pointing out the fact that you know Dolly has remained very like middle with a lot of these issues. That's Except, true, and it's because she has fans on both sides, and you know it's hard to come out and say something. Oh,
1: well, yeah. And it would have been easier. It probably would have been easier in her life just to take the hard right, but she really stood up for, you know, a lot of things that her traditional fan base would not be for. Yeah. Um,
0: And again, better than the fucking Grand Wizard of the KKK. Yeah, that'd be
1: interesting. I mean, I'd like to see some, maybe some more music related legends i thought we were like you know if you go through nashville and you see everything everything says music city on it and stuff but like you know if we got some more music stuff also everywhere then i think we would even be more music city
0: yeah i mean she's i think it would benefit the community a lot because i mean she's so beloved like here you know people love her here so
1: yeah i mean that's not bad um all right. That was fun. Some lighthearted Sorry. stories. For Sorry. I
0: interrupted there.
1: No, it's okay. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> um, now let's get to the sad, uh, mm. so big, sad time. Uh, we're talking about, we're going to unemployment, which I kind of said a little bit earlier. Uh, apparently, as a lot of people have been struggling with unemployment just in general as regular employees and also to get the cares act money, uh, you know, those $1,200, uh, we've also seen a specific, uh, kind of, you know, dilemma to a lot of these musicians and freelancers in the entertainment industry, uh, so let me give you a rundown. So we got this man that's quoted in this Rolling Stone article and his name is Steven Wilkin, uh, quote, Wilkin makes music under the name adult bodies. He supplements that money by working for Uber and Lyft as well as doing other odd gigs. So very familiar statement to a lot of, uh, you know, musicians out there. Uh in California, he thought he would get the full four fifty a week, but he only received seventy-seven dollars from the state a week. Um and it's because of an issue of the way this CARES Act is written that's kind of affecting a lot of these freelancers slash non freelancers, kind of mixed battleground people that are very, you know, all over the place in the entertainment industry so the problem is is that in california if the w-2 income exceeds 1300 dollars during any quarter in the past 18 months or 18 months they are eligible for state unemployment uh which means they can't participate in this other pandemic unemployment assistance which i'll explain later uh that's supposed to cover more of gig workers uh so The thing with unemployment, though, is that is all calculated by your W-2 income. Mm -hmm. So basically, because he made more than $1,300 in W-2 income in the past 18 months, his unemployment has to be traditional unemployment.
0: So it doesn't...
1: So it does not count any of that gig working and stuff that he did before. Um, And he estimates that that W-2 income that he has made is only about 3% of his income. So his unemployment money is calculated from 3% of his income.
0: That's so bullshit. (laughs)
1: Um, The problem with this is basically this comes out of apparently from what I've been reading is how the cares act is written. So we've seen the traditional unemployment money, which is like the pandemic unemployment compensation, and then we've seen the Pandemic Unemployment Assistance, which is the PAU, uh, or PUA, sorry. Um, and that one is for the freelancers. But you're seeing this thing where people are getting bumped into the Pandemic uh, regular fund, W-2 fund, based off of, like, z- very little money of their income. Yeah. Um, so. Basically, I've seen there's some arguments that the reason this happened is because of states, but I've also seen a lot of arguments because this is the way that the law is written on the federal level. Um, but the point is, is you're, we're seeing a lot of people get screwed over by this because it's only, you know, calculating W-2 money um, which is ridiculous, you know, because there's a lot of people out there, and they even mentioned this. There was an engineer who apparently made like five thousand dollars on a W two from working with a band one year and all his money is calculated from that. And he makes way more than five thousand dollars over the last two years. Yeah. Um so it's been very interesting to see all these people, specifically especially the music industry and the way it's set up get screwed over by this. Um and we've talked about this before joe but are we seeing maybe the negatives of having everyone not on a w2 all the time yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> and more of a 1099 situation
0: I, people in the music industry don't want to pay people like well, they've never they've never wanted to do that they they always like the freedom of having gig workers and stuff and you know that's great and everything but i think the the People are going to see, especially gig workers, are going to see, you know, I really need to aim for a business or a job that, like, really, like, um, at least gives a little bit of a shit to give me a Mm -hmm. W2, you know? Well,
1: yeah, and that's, I I agree with that completely. Uh, And
0: I would also like to point out, having people on payroll, way cheaper in the long term than hiring gig workers especially especially startup
1: and content
0: stuff like I do you know right it's Um, so much cheaper
1: so we're seeing yeah every in the time you waste trying to renegotiate things and get people up to speed about what your vision is and like all that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. Uh, so I completely agree with that I also agree that The way this law is written is very strange. Uh, And so basically throughout all these states, people are getting screwed to different standards. And I think we're seeing a lot in this country because we have so many issues flaring up in 2020, but we're really seeing the music industry get shafted so many ways. Yeah. Because we're seeing, you know, obviously we're going to be the last people to open up. And then now it's like, oh, even the unemployment, we're getting shafted on.
0: Yeah. I I would... Point out, I think a lot of people take entertainment for granted, right? And I think it shows in the way laws are passed. You know, people don't really hold people don't think about when they go to a show, oh, who's running this? Like, who's the guy behind the, the booth? You know, who's the guy backstage who has to do settlement and all that stuff? They don't know all these things and like how much effort goes into putting on a show. They just see, oh, my favorite artist is coming, cool. Here I am. Oh, well, they're gone now, you know? Yeah. And out of sight, out of mind kind of a thing.
1: I completely agree. Um, I guess in a vain spot of, like, hope. uh, They're currently trying to lobby for this in Congress um, to see if we can get some changes to the CARE Act, but no idea how that's going to go. Moving on, we got another... (laughs)
0: thanks for bumming us out colin
1: <laughs> yeah we're, we're going back to maybe a good thing good thing for us this yeah. is a good thing for us after that bum out uh spotify's latest podcast deals have helped drive market value up 39 percent. yay <laughs> yeah um, we're
0: probably not gonna see probably whatever. not gonna <laughs> see that
1: 39 percent. but you know um so joe you read mostly about this what's going on with this mm-hmm. why are we getting this drive up
0: Uh, Basically, uh, Spotify is playing kind of the um, exclusive podcasting game, Um, and that's from signing Kim Kardashian West to Joe Rogan while also getting Barack and Michelle Obama on, which I didn't see a lot of stuff about that until doing some more research into it. Um, But they're going to have like some podcasts uh, from there. Uh, They have a production company called Higher Ground uh, that they're going to funnel stuff through. So I think... Barack and Michelle Obama will have a podcast while also having a bunch of other ones that they're going to bring to the table as well. Yeah. Um, Which is going to be super interesting to see, uh, especially like what kind of podcasts are going to do. I'm assuming it's going to be, you know, politics-based, but um, we'll just have to see. Um, They also announced that they were going to be entering in a multi-year, multi-project with Warner Brothers uh, DC Universe IPs um, by creating scripted audio shows, which was um, competing with Marvel's podcast deal with SiriusXM for exclusive shows. Um, so that could be interesting. The I will say in the article, and this is on Billboard Biz and a, and a bunch of other places as well. Um, they alluded to the fact that like the Marvel deal was definitely not to the scale of this deal with Spotify. Yeah. So I mean, Spotify is just massive. Like. I definitely,
1: you know, Spotify is massive, but I think they're definitely seeing the value in diversifying as much as they can as a streaming service, Mm -hmm. Uh, especially with just general streaming, like down in terms of like music, especially. Uh, I think this is like what Spotify can do. That's like a comfortable realm for them to diversify. Yeah. Um, I think we're also seeing kind of like how... Thankfully, we've gone away from this a lot, but, uh, you know, maybe the return of like exclusive streaming rights, especially in terms of like listening material. Um, because, I mean, you remember back in the day when like Tidal used to pull that stuff where it's like you could only find it here and then that kind of got like pulled back or Chance Rapper's record
0: which didn't get nearly enough attention when it came out. So like, yeah,
1: like stuff like that and we've kind of gone away from that from music thankfully. We've kind of realized the value in integrating pretty Mm. much everywhere for most artists but it'd be very interesting to see if they can do it with podcasts because podcasts are definitely on a different ground and level in ways like they're very similar to shows in that way. Yeah. I mean, we all accept that like Netflix has these shows. Hulu has these shows, you know, we all accept that as like a fact.
0: Uh, but I, I think feel it's like consistency too. And like audience consistency, like audiences are more likely to tune in every week to a podcast, you know?
1: Right. And as opposed to, you know, like you obviously have your diehard fans, but it's definitely like you have a significant, You know, listener base, especially if you're in the top one or two that's just listening to listen, Mm -hmm. as opposed to like, I want to follow this person everywhere.
0: Um, Do you think um, Spotify at this point is like the main podcast hub?
1: I think Spotify has a very strong market for it. Um, I think there's still, you know, they have such a, they have a very big market share for such an independent company. It's going to be very interesting to see kind of like how this goes up in terms of, you know, are we going to see more of, Oh, Spotify is going to play an exclusives game and try to like beat out other people in terms of like more, more, big influencers and stuff, or we're we going to see Spotify go, Oh, everybody should come to Spotify. You know, we should all do this. Mm-hmm. Um, it'd be very interesting. I also think a lot with, with trying to, you know, maybe declare a King of like podcast hosting. It really comes down to UI a lot. I feel like for a lot of people, if you can't find it easily, easily and interact with it easily, then it's harder for people. I think that's one of the reasons why Apple podcasts is kind of, you know, probably even the closest competitor to spotify in my mind is because of the ease of use of oh you have an iphone here the podcast app is just available right yeah. now
0: it's already there i will say because i used to use the podcast app uh and i use spotify the podcast app is not as good ui as it's, Spotify. it's
1: much more messy and i really don't like the way you like look at f- older episodes yeah. or like try to like the archiving a, is really yeah, it's whack. very strange. And
0: then Spotify does a great job when you subscribe uh, to have like basically a list of like the podcasts that got updated that week, <laughs> and so that helps with keeping people engaged, as opposed to like, I feel I feel like uh, the podcast app, you know, it was just like whatever. Right, you might get a notification I
1: definitely don't think that anyone taking these deals is in any way a loser <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, for sure. I don't
1: think they're going to lose oh, they don't
0: care if their listener base suffers either because I mean they, they the millions of dollars that they sign right for, and the other thing
1: know? I was going to say is like I feel like um, it is definitely interesting to see Spotify do this as a terms to diversify their company uh, and to make it you know this is the place you listen to anything I'd be interested if they uh, start going into like more audiobooks and stuff like that as well. Um, yeah, stuff that's, you know, related to streaming, but isn't so far that, you know, we're like watching a bunch of videos on Spotify or we'll
0: say like, Amazon has a stranglehold on has a
1: stranglehold Amazon. on that. So that, that's why I'd be interested to see if they'll, you know, maybe in the future, try to go against that. um, Wow, their shares are two hundred dollars per share. Oh, on the eighteenth? Okay, wow. Yeah, all
0: right. They like jumped the the two hundred mark.
1: Right. Um whoa. So good good news for us.
0: Uh, <laughs> yeah, us in particular. Us in particular. Um we're so small scale so in small terms scale. of Joe Rogan.
1: <laughs> oh, I think we take on Joe. Yeah, why not? We'll send our fan versus all the other Thousands of fans Joe Rogan has. We have
0: to just do a ton, uh, like a ton of drugs and then call them. This is going to be exclusively
1: a DMT podcast <laughs> from now on. Uh, speaking of people that sound like they were on DMT, can you talk about this James Brown oh my wife gosh. thing? Because this I was reading so part of it and it sounded like the most crazy story that like is so rare now that, Joe, you could just take it away. Cause yeah. I was like, what is going on? Okay.
0: So I didn't know about this, but James Brown estate was in like a huge legal battle with his like ex-wife. Um, so James Brown passed away news. If you didn't know, <laughs> um, uh, so James Brown passed away, uh, and his last partner, uh, Tommy Ray Heine, H Y N I E, which I'm pretty sure I'm saying right. Uh, said that she had claim over part of his catalog and estate, basically. Um, Here's the thing, though. During their entire relationship of, like, them getting married and stuff, they were so off and on, and there was a bunch of controversy around them because Heine basically was married uh, already to someone else, and James Brown didn't know, and he found out after they got married. And so... Of course, that rippled, like, that ripped apart their relationship, basically. Um, She, Heine, basically made an effort to get the last marriage annulled. Um, And then, you know, for a couple years, I guess they were off and on, according to reports and stuff like that. Um, And she was just kind of basically staying in his life and and that kind of thing. And uh, Brown was actually going to annul their marriage, but they didn't complete it. And he passed away before anything could be done about it, basically. So after he passed away, Heine filed to have uh, Brown's uh, 2000 will and charity trust set aside based on uh, undue influence and fraud. In 2014, the circuit court sided with Ray finding that she was still a surviving spouse for Brown and that the couple had not annulled their 2001 marriage prior to his death. However, the Supreme Court reversed those decisions, finding that she in, was indeed married to someone else. Thus, her marriage with James Brown was void from the beginning. <laughs> so, you know, this is like a, I think this is like a, like a 16 year battle or something like crazy. Right. Since, no, it's a, I guess it was like 14, 14 year battle. Yeah. Since he died, you know. Like. Yeah. So it, it's crazy. And, you know, nine of uh, Brown's kids, are like were representative by the attorney, uh, Mark Toberoff, uh, who represented their interests and stuff. And he basically was the guy who brought it to the Supreme court. Um, so it goes to show, you know, nine out of 10 kids, <laughs> nine out of 10 doctors recommend. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, uh, it's just interesting. Cause it's, I don't think we've seen that level of like we don't know where this catalog is going to go, you know, yeah, for a I've, while.
1: I think uh, it's definitely a lesson that if you are an artist of pretty much any size, especially if you're shooting for the stars, that you need to think early on about how
0: when you die, how this is going to work. Um, well, she, he she signed a prenup. Yeah. Wow. Which at that point, dude, no matter if your marriage is valid, I don't think you have. You I know, think it depends what's in the catalog. prenup.
1: I think it depends what's in the prenup because like I think prenups Here, can I made, define.
0: I made note of it. Let me look at it, real quick. It would just
1: be interesting because sometimes prenups are like, you have no claim to this side of my life.
0: Yeah. So I'm, she signed the prenup, which waived any f- future claim to his estate.
1: Oh, which okay. includes
0: the catalog. So, I don't know what she... She was just really fine so hard for I this. guess
1: good for that lawyer, whoever was representing her, to try to get this argument for literally the last, what, 16, 17 years almost? Yeah. Still going.
0: Like oh, <laughs> um, gosh, dude. Can you imagine the kids just being like, oh, this sucks?
1: <laughs> yeah. I I think definitely this... I think this is just a cluster. You've, we've seen this recently in the last, like, 20 to 30 years, especially is these all-out battles for when someone dies. Yeah,
0: I mean, Prince's Prince's stuff.
1: estate was like that. Michael Jackson's estate was like that. Michael Jackson's was, oof. Yeah, so...
0: This one was under the radar, though. I, I think there was news when it came out. I think it's just been going
1: mind. on for, like, 14 years. Yeah. So, like, it's hard to be, like, in breaking news, remember this and how, like, messy it is. Uh, 14 years. But yeah, uh, definitely, if you are a person that has created copyrighted material that you feel like will be valuable at some point in your life, definitely think about where it's going, how you can make that clear in a legal document, and who's going to be the head of your estate when you die. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, obviously, when James Brown or anybody starts out, no one's going to think, oh, I'm going to own all these valuable rights to things. But
0: <laughs> I think in your twenties you should be writing your will. You yeah, maybe. you never know when it's going to happen. It's always better to be prepared.
1: Yeah, it's up to you. But especially if you're like someone who's creating a lot of copyrighted material. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's songs. And I don't IPs know models, are, anything that can really be copyrighted or even patented.
0: IPs are so complicated to to keep track because there's so much refiling you have to do. There's so much upkeep with like the Copyrights and like where you're, you know, yeah, and proving that you're still using the
1: copyright and stuff like that. Yeah,
0: it's confusing, it's just utterly, honestly, kind of a train wreck of a system, but it kind of works, and that's why we use it, I guess.
1: Well, yeah, um, yeah, and end to another giant artist and his career, and then let's talk about another giant artist and their career soldiering on throughout this pandemic. Um, so Nashville darling Garth Brooks.
0: Um, I, is he the Nashville Gar- darling? I would
1: describe him as a Nashville darling. I guess he is. Yeah. He's he's the top of like, a, he is the number one country tour.
0: Apparently he bought his car at the Toyota dealership. I got my car. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> we got connections on this podcast, yeah, folks. <laughs> uh, so he announced uh, Garth Brooks on June 11th, that he was going to make a nationwide gig that will quote, help bring everyone together, which if there's <laughs> any
0: thing to say,
1: that's a Garth thing. But if there's anything that any company should learn anything, any company does, will never bring everyone together. Yes. Uh, basically, this is an event that he's going to sell uh, that has drive-ins across the nation over 300 uh, in cahoots, and it's on June 27th, which will be important later. Uh, And it'll cost $100 per car to go to this event uh, at whatever local drive-in is near you. And they say they will be an estimated 250 to 300 tickets sold per the venue. Um, This is very, very innovative, in my opinion, in terms of like what's going on and I was kind of confused at first because, like, everything that I've seen was like this nationwide gig, is like what they were saying, or like this event and all this stuff. And I went, wait, is this like a tour? But then I went to Garth Brooks' site, and the only thing that states how it's like a one time thing is that it just says only on June 27th. So I've seen a lot of confusion online. I've been talking to some people. People think that Garth Brooks is going places. <laughs> And he's not, (laughs) he's going to play a movie for you for $100 and that's it. (laughs) He's hmm. not going from place to place, but I keep seeing all these people that are very excited. People being like, well, I paid this much before to see Garth. So I pay a hundred dollars and I'm like, you're not, you're seeing the stream,
0: (laughs) you know, I I just make it free. I don't know. Or or a small paywall or something and so stream it out. It's a
1: hundred dollars right? a car. So let me let me get on this. It's a hundred dollars a car, which is a pretty good deal in terms of like
0: you the money like they make and the in money there.
1: you could. That's kind of what I was saying. You could fit five to six people in a car, and then like if you you know like those movie events, and they would usually be by like fandom or something. It was like go see Barbra Streisand in the yeah. theater. I was like, it already costs like ten dollars to go to that so saying hey will you pay 20 and be in this packed car is not that crazy of a thing to say so i mean
0: it's uncomfortable it's, it's uncomfortable you're not getting a but, good experience from it I right like.
1: so that's kind of why i'm confused because there's not a lot of clarification that this is like a movie well, what's concert
0: weird is garth's fans are mostly older right but
1: it's okay so let's get to that because you're thinking the same thing i was so we're talking about covid and older people um, yeah,
0: not like even in car probably shouldn't.
1: So apparently, according to Encore Live, which is like the event person for this, uh, they have been going through all the recommended CDC standards per state, per local local thing. You know, like the general, like, please do not sue us. We are trying. Uh, they said they will include maintaining at least six feet of space between vehicles, the use of personal protective equipment by staff and leveraging con contactless payment and ticketing systems and limiting capacities in restrooms guidelines around concessions will also be enforced to abide by individual state regulations, which I'm like, okay, I, you know, if you want to stay in your car, the whole, probably two and a half hours of this thing is playing and you can hold it and you're not drinking and you're, you know, fine. (laughs) But definitely if you're going to this thing, one, bring your mask and then two, be very cautious about like, you know, having to go out of your car, going to the bathroom and like all that kind of stuff. Um, and I feel, you know, these staff workers, even with their personal detective equipment, I, you know, there's 300 drive-ins is the company handling all 300 drive-ins so this encore live or the drive-ins just, okay, you guys handle that. Cause I could totally see all these drive-ins being like, all right, here's your mask mm-hmm. and good luck out
0: there. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, It's it's, free-for-all I I don't know Just from a business perspective And just from his fans I feel like You know Most Most people Most Garth fans I feel like are older people who would rather just stay home and like watch it on. He's got some younger people. I think
1: he's got a kind of like, and I don't mean to like directly. He's got a mix. He's kind of like a Paul McCartney, Yeah, you know, like where you go to a Paul McCartney concert and there's a bunch of old people, but then like there's all the children and all that stuff. He's just that big of a face in country music. Yeah. So I think this is like a very smart way to make money for them. Uh, Especially if it's literally like they say it's a live event, but I, I'm really, really... It's not a live event. Unless they we're have... a movie. Okay, let's think about where drive-ins are, right? Drive-ins now, the remaining ones, are in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. There's not a lot of drive-ins in, like, the random cities, which is important unless because you're this, LA. this has to deal with infrastructure of data. So, like, we're talking about internet strength and all that kind of stuff. They're not streaming that. They have, I guarantee you some hard drive that has the concert and they all play it at the same time. Yeah. And so that's definitely what's happening. I mean, good for Garth in one aspect, all of the, like I'm saying, all these drive-ins are in the middle of like not very metropolitan areas. So they're like with a lot of rural people. So like a lot of people will make the drive into those theaters from like all these rural areas that oh, are I'm, Garth fans.
0: I'm sure those people will. I'm, I'm thinking about, city folks will probably go too. I mean, right.
1: It's, I think, and like, again, this is a, uh, this is like a pseudo live event is what I'll call it. And people get pumped about that. You know, like we can't go see a concert, but you want to go see Garth Brooks tonight. We have nothing better to do. We're not
0: supposed to go outside. I want a Garth Brooks Minecraft concert. (laughs) (laughs) Let's make it happen. Um, (laughs) Garth
1: Brooks. fine. you think he's more of a Minecraft person or Fortnite. Fortnite. No, uh, no. We'll see. Um, anyway, yeah, a hundred dollars. And we'll say that, you know, if we're fitting five to six people to try to be economical, that's still a good thing. Like I was saying, <laughs> uh, these movie theater eight, tickets are like 12, 13. So if you're making $20 a person, that's still good. And then on top of that, there's going to be people that are going to show up in their truck and it's just going to be them and their girlfriend or boyfriend, you know? And so that's, that's going to be even more crazy profit margin. Uh, I'm sure that they have negotiated a crazy deal with these drive-ins. I'm sure the I, I would go so far to say that these drive-ins are, might even be taking a loss because oh, 100%. because it'll give such business to the drive-in during this time that they'll do it. Yeah, because it because it'll definitely put into people's minds where it's like, hey, I don't know, like the you know weeks after they'll go. Remember the drive-in we went to? It wasn't that far away. Do you want to go see one of those movies? That's definitely going through a lot of people's minds. I'm 100% sure when they're making these deals.
0: Yeah. Um, well, I think, too, drive-in movie theaters have been on the decline for a, a while now.
1: But drive-in movie theaters could be saving some, you know, could be saving some face here with stuff like this for yeah, a while. Yeah, I mean,
0: for sure, it's safer than going to an AMC who who don't tell you to wear a mask. Right, and, and are almost that.
1: filing for bankruptcy right now. Yeah. Um, and so there's that. And then we get to the final thing with, which is COVID on top of all of this, you get more people coming to drive-ins obviously, because they don't want to go to theaters, but then you got this plausible deniability, I think, which is very important for Garth, because if you gather a bunch of people and you're like, we're going to have a concert, but it's social distancing. You, you are still going to get crap from people. And rightfully so about you're still risking people. Should we have this event, you know, in general, But Garth here, I think, has plausible deniability in terms of, like, he's not there in person, so there's not going to be 9,000 people there. He was, like, he's making them all go in cars, and then if anything goes wrong and people get COVID at these things, they can blame the drive-in, you know? And so I think that's what's going to happen. And so if there were COVID cases, it's not Garth's fault. It's the drive-in's fault, you know? Mm
0: -hmm. Um, Well, I mean... I. I don't think a lot of people are going to catch it from the driving because, I mean, the whole point is... I don't know, think either, but car. it's just
1: more of like...
0: And then I bet they'll have temperature takers.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just more of like the risk is obviously heightened. It yeah. is low, but it's heightened. So I feel like more eyes will be on people whenever there's a heightened situation of contracting this disease. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I mean, who knew it, but driving theaters are going to help what? out America one more time and then... <laughs> hopefully not go out of business for whoever potential drive-in theater movie people were listening but sorry <laughs> you might after all of this um, so let's move on back to sad yay say yay sad um i'll i'll try to go through this real quick um live nation uh released a memo <laughs> that I tried to find the memo. I cannot find the memo. I can only find people quoting the memo. So we're going to go with that. But basically they're talking about all about 2021 and renegotiating with artists and agents about all of these, uh, you know, situations that are going around the country of renegotiating where and when you're going to play and like how much money you're going to get. So I kind of cut it together to make it easy. Um, so here's like some, top things from the memo that i saw that people were quoting uh we're seeing pay cuts just in general from 20 percent down from 2020 levels to artists uh we're also seeing that they quote uh can cancel if the show gets canceled due to poor ticket sales the artist will receive 25 percent of the guarantee hmm. <laughs> three Uh, If an artist cancels their appearance at a festival and is found to be a breach of the agreement, the artist must pay the promoter two times the artist's fee for, and then it also includes a provision that would remove artists from a promoter's event cancellation insurance policy, and Live Nation would require artists to purchase their own cancellation policies and file their own claims.
0: Can we just like stop fucking people over. So is there a way we could just, well, we're
1: seeing what we're seeing here is I, they, they have got to the point where they can't comfortably without their stock tanking. I think like, and that would really piss off a lot of people for them, uh, try to cut costs on their end. So now they're go, okay, it's y'all's turn, which is, you know, a business move to do, I guess you're going to have to figure out personally as a company, if that's like a smart move or not a smart move. Um, but it's just, they don't have the capital to, you know, they've been, they own Ticketmaster, So they've been refunding a bunch of tickets and stuff. Usually they're the promoters of this live nation owns a lot of the large venues across the country as well. That have been tanking money as well. So they're, they're in a bad spot,
0: but, I don't it's, think they're in as bad a spot as some artists are though.
1: One hundred percent. And so like, that's and that's
0: mm-hmm. the thing. It's like so you guys I'm, can take the punishment a little bit longer, I feel like.
1: Right. And their stock prices haven't gone crazy yet. So we're kind of seeing I think what they're trying to do is kind of a last ditch get these people to agree to it and so our stocks don't tank.
0: Yeah, well Live Nation's international, you know?
1: I mean they're international, but that's how an international company thinks. Like, and so there's also AEG is up in the air, which is Live Nation's second competitor. Uh, They said all deals in 2020 will be renegotiated regardless if they went on sale before the start of the crisis. And they said for shows with less than 90% of tickets sold, the money an artist was guaranteed to receive will be reduced 25 to 50% of original all in guarantee based on sales before postponement. Jesus. Which I was like, whoa, which I'm sure there's some artist out there that's like, am I really tiptoeing at 89.6 right now? Like, <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> um, do you think, because I mean, we talked about this off mic, but do you think that artists are just going to not book because of this? So
1: I've been seeing kind of some things going on with uh, that kind of response. A lot of agents that the, specifically the billboard says is that a bunch of agents are saying yeah we understand the costs and the cuts but like we're not paying that two times fee thing cuz it's yeah. just ridiculous. nobody wants to give up capital ever so like no they're not going to do it i think what we're seeing and i think to answer your question uh can be summarized in this quote um and i believe it's from an artist or oh, it's from one agent. It says live nation has a lot of leverage going into 2021 because they're one of the few companies booking shows, but there are far more festivals needing talent than there are artists capable of headlining a large festival. And it won't take long for the balance of power to swing back to artists. So I think what you're seeing is, is that also I want to throw in a lot of these companies and people who are in the company have said, these aren't set, in stone like these terms they're just throwing them out there in memos so a lot of people have been theorizing that these terms are kind of like an aggressive start so when they go to the middle ground that they already have like an upper edge you see what i'm saying
0: i guess so it's not set in stone until you sign a contract right true
1: that but i mean like in general as like a company ideal i think that all the things i listed are not set in stone as like policy as opposed to like yeah um so i think I think what that quote said pretty much sums it up is like they're booking shows and there's a lot of, you know, smaller things that are not booking shows cause they're trying to figure out if their business will survive. Live nation knows their business will survive and needs it to survive. And they have the resources to, you know, even while they're bleeding to start trying to get people to sign up for things and get things ready. So I think that live nation has kind of an upper edge right now, especially being such a huge, you know, giant company they are in their market. But at the same time, what this, what this quote is also alluding to is, you know, I mean, large festivals, a headliner spot, like is a big deal. So usually big artists have to be that spot to make it a big festival. Mm -hmm. So you, you know, there's not 100,000 big artists, obviously they all get whittled down. There's, you know, 10 to 12 at a time that are like number one headline spots that can do it. So you're seeing that balance of power. I don't know how it's going to break down, but I feel like the breakdown right now is, it's very interesting. It seems like they're going on the offensive. I definitely think that they're going to hope that some people are dumb and just go, well, yeah, you're the biggest company ever. Yeah. We're we'll just sign all that away real quick, <laughs> you know, but who knows? That's kind of the thing. Uh, also they, uh, some people have warned, that this change could bring unintended consequences by making this kind of a standard uh, if yeah. it gets adopted, or it could cause artists to avoid newer festivals or agents demanding a role in choosing the lineup of to mitigate risk of festivals. Um,
0: like wh- newer festivals that are owned
1: by Live Nation? No, or? well, yeah, that and like, well, you have to remember that Live Nation in some parts will also do have their hat and different things. Sometimes maybe they're not specifically the people putting on the festival, uh, but they could be ticket master who handles all the tickets and stuff. And I'm sure they're going to have some more aggressive policies as well. Um, what I think a lot of what I'm seeing a lot is I think a lot of agents and stuff really, really are opposed to this, like pay us if you drop kind of thing. Yeah. And just, and basically I think we're seeing that, as like a stranglehold for the agents going, look, you can take less money, but we're not doing that. And so I think the idea is that like, if they were on a newer festival and maybe like some controversy happened or something, or like some other controversy, like Phil person was on the lineup and, you know, like a Twitter thread started that grew into like a giant, you know, on the internet scandal of like, why are you promoting this festival? It's terrible. Or why are you being on the same bill as this terrible person? Then, like the agents, definitely want the ability to go. Okay, we're getting out of here. You know, Mm -hmm. we are dropping it and not have to lose that money. Um, But yeah, I mean, Live Nation really pulling out their guns, but we'll see what they stick to. And AEG is also doing that. It'd be interesting, as the article kind of hints. Also, if there's going to be some smaller promoters that play ball with the artists immediately and say we're going to be the artist friendly ones, yeah, and try to you know swoop some people in. Uh, so maybe we'll see some upsets in the market compared to it, but yeah, I, don't I mean know.
0: maybe this will be a good thing for festivals for newer festivals in the long term. It could
1: be a good thing or it could be a bad thing. It could set yeah. the standard or it could not. It's definitely a very real world response as opposed to like, just, you know, saying like, Oh, our industry is dying and you know, people are taking hard cuts and even just people saying like, and, you know, furloughing of jobs happening. Yeah. That's real. But like literally when it gets to the actual down to business deals like this, where, you know, this company is in charge of, you know, interacting with artists and now you're seeing it, I think it's, you know, clicking off in a lot of people's minds like, oh God, here's the real deal now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, Joe, what have you been listening to? <laughs>
0: um, I've been listening to uh, a girl uh, called Tishi. T E I T S H I. That's fun. Yeah, she's really cool. She's like uh she has like a nineties, early two thousands like R and B vibe a little bit, but with like a modern twist. Um, so that's really cool. She did a song with uh Blood Orange. Um, and she has a couple of really good singles and stuff. So I've been listening to her a lot. And then I need to listen to Punisher, uh, the album by Phoebe Bridgers, but I haven't had a chance yet. So Oh uh, yes, But your I'm favorite. just gonna yeah i'm just gonna shout that out because i'll probably love it (laughs) and then lockdown by anderson pack which dropped today
1: oh i haven't listened to that i actually wanted to listen to that
0: yeah it's pretty good it's not bad i i think the promo i was kind of like uh maybe like the lyrics it'd be kind of weird but like it's very natural sounding you know it's a good song
1: well what about you uh i've been going through a lot of my playlists lately uh not specifically like anything really new uh I have been listening actually to me and yours like favorite, which is like, I've been listening to breakfast in America a lot recently. I like how
0: your, your playlist is named angst.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's my angst playlist. It's only nine (laughs) songs. Uh, but like I've, I've mostly been perusing like my decades playlists, which are literally playlists of like songs that are all from one decade. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I've been listening to that. And then I, uh, also I've been listening to let's rock by black keys lately a little bit more. Yeah. I don't know why that came back. I think I got burnt out on that album, but a pretty solid album. Like one of the, I will say, you can say whatever you want about the black keys, but the guitar tone on that album is like ridiculously yeah, good. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> it's I, like,
0: <laughs> I think that album's a slow burn for me. I I think it's it's super cool. Like some of the stuff they do in there. And then some of the songs are pretty rocking, but I don't know. Might, might take another while for me to... <laughs>
1: yeah it's it's definitely a slow burn it's it's very crafted i think in in a good way and a bad way sometimes but it's very like you can tell like they took the time to go okay we're gonna add this guitar on top of it this guitar on top of it we're gonna you know just like this is the song this is where it starts this is where it ends this is the b section and it it's like a very nice like uh you know, like a Tin pen Alley kind of song, where it's just like they've crafted these songs so well. But it, that's all it is. It's not like anything crazy. It's just black keys, regular black keys. Yeah.
0: Well, well that showbiz baby. <laughs> wow, Joey did it for once. <laughs> Thanks for listening to that Showbiz Baby podcast, your all things music business and media podcast. You can find us on Twitter at showbizbabypod, Facebook and Instagram at thatshowbizbabypodcast, or email us at thatshowbizbabypodcast at gmail.com. We're taking music submissions. Uh, We might start doing music reviews at some point. Um, And just like any stories you guys come up with. So yeah, just let us know. Thanks for listening.